0: everyone i'm joe and i just wanted to take a moment and say thank you for listening to our Lincoln e-free podcast we are grateful for your support to shine the light of christ in every home and business in the lincoln lakes area and beyond in case you're not aware we have a youtube channel which you can find the link in our bio we hope you enjoy this week's message and encourages you and helps you to become the light that god designed you to be with that let's jump in We are beginning the series in the Gospel of Luke. Luke wrote almost 26% of the entire New Testament. He was not considered chosen. Jews considered themselves the chosen. Someone asked me the other day, why do so many people hate the Jews? Well, because they're chosen according to the scriptures. Now, the problem is not so much that they were chosen, the problem is that they too often have acted like it. You know what I mean? they considered the rest of the people in a totally different class. They forgot in many cases that according to Genesis 12, 1 through 3, they were chosen to be a vehicle for God to bless everyone because God loves everyone. They sometimes forgot that. Leaving people like Luke left out because Luke was a Gentile. The Jews called him a goy, G-O-Y. They would call you. Are there any Jews here? It'd be surprises. Have you, some Jewish, some Jewishness? Yeah. Well. The rest of you would be considered goyim, say that with me, goyim, it's the plural for goy. So we're titling this series, not a Hebrew Christmas, you can take that one off, Uh, that was what we just did. But we are continuing in that kind of a a vein with Dr. Goy. The doctor says, boy, it was great for Gary to hear the doctor say, clean, wow. We listen to our doctors. We pay attention most of the time. My mother was not one like that. Her doctor was Dr. Steve, who was also one of my deacons in Wilmer. He said, oh, yeah, your mother. (laughs) Anyway, the doctor says. We're going to read the first four verses of Luke's gospel. Ask you to turn to it. We don't have it on the screen this morning. Or you don't have your Bible with you. You can do the way the church has done, had done for 1, 15, 1,600 years. Listen closely. It wasn't until the Gutenberg printing press and a 100 years after that where the word, it, it became common for people to have. Most of you have more than one of these in your home. Most parishes for many years had one, oftentimes chained to the communion table. People could come and look at it there. But other than that. They just listened in church. So listen carefully. To the opening words. Of uh, Luke. Chapter 1 verses 1 through 4. Inasmuch as many. Thank you. Please stand with me. I always habitually ask you to stand because these are the words that are important. Some of you are waiting to hear what I'm gonna say, Uh uh-uh. I hope that it's something helpful for you in a different perspective. But these next few verses are the most important words. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past. To write an orderly account for you, most excellent, Theophilus. The name means lover of God, Theophilus. That you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. You may be seated. I want to look with you this morning, forgive me some of you who are not wired as academically, this sermon will be a little bit more in that kind of a vein. But I think it's helpful for you to understand the man as well as then what he wrote. So I'd like to look at Luke the man, Luke's Gospel, and then Luke's purpose in writing, all three that come directly out of our text. Luke, the man, a goy, the, the, he was not one of the disciples of Jesus, one of the apostles. We have four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which ones were written by apostles? Apostles. Matthew and John were written by eyewitnesses as Luke himself describes. Luke had to glean from others. He was a Gentile. He was also a doctor. Luke is described in Colossians 4 as the beloved physician. I have really appreciated my time at a few hours a week at Lakewood. And uh, I've had discussions with especially a couple of doctors that who are born-again believers. Too many people think if you're too well educated, then you certainly wouldn't follow Jesus and that simplistic faith. Most of our doctors and nurses understand that they only succeed as they cooperate with God. Otherwise, medicine is pointless. God, who is the great physician, Jesus. So I've appreciated getting to know them. Luke was a highly educated man. Many of you know I majored in in Greek, and particularly New Testament Greek, though I've had quite a bit of classical Greek. I can read through Matthew's gospel relatively easily, I mean, this is a dead language that is no longer conversed, so you don't ever become really fluent in it. I can read through Mark. I can read through John. I come to Luke, and I'm pulling my hair out. He uses more words that are found nowhere else in the New Testament than any other author. Now, Paul was also well-educated, but Luke... Takes it to a different level. No one uses so many words for the first time. And may use them only once. He had a large vocabulary. As seen in both Luke and Acts. In fact. The very first word. In my translation. In as much. It's the only time it's used in the entire New Testament. Some of you know people who, you know, you almost have to ask them to bring it down. Yeah, bring it down to my level. Luke was highly educated, which of course is not the same as being intelligent, is it? There are plenty of highly educated fools, and most of us know at least one. There are also some highly intelligent Men and women who never made it beyond 8th grade. It's not the same. In Luke's case, it it would appear to be the, the same. Highly educated and intelligent. Which means he went to the university. There were no Christian colleges back then. He got his school in at one of the major universities, no doubt. Probably not the largest university in Alexandria. Or the second largest in Athens. But the third largest was kind of an interesting possibility. There was a university in Tarsus in Asia Minor. Who else came from Tarsus? Saul, Paul. And the book of Acts reveals to us that they are just like that. The two of them. Did they meet at the university perhaps? What did they have in common? We don't know. The very first canon of the New Testament, a man by the name of Marcion pulled it together. All it had was Paul's letters and one gospel. Guess which one? Luke. Ignoring the eyewitness accounts of Matthew and and, and, and John. Interesting. Not only was Luke a doctor, he is referred to by Paul as the Beloved physician. It's wonderful to have a doctor who knows what he's doing or what she's doing. It's even better to have one that really feels with you. Larry and I and probably several others of you, Dale, have a doctor. He'll go on named I had an appointment, a checkup just this past week. He was an hour and a half late getting to me. It was okay. Because I know he takes time with his patients. And he, and, and, and he worked with me like he had nothing else to do the rest of the day sorry for the guy behind me he was a beloved luke was a beloved physician we see this throughout his gospel when you when you read he has such care especially for the down and outers poor the women oh he gives more attention to women than any of the other writers He was beloved, not just to Paul, but to many. He was a companion of Paul. As you read the book of Acts, we come to understand that Luke joined Paul on his second missions trip. Met him at Troas, and they launched for the first time from Asia into Europe and Macedonia, Philippi. It's interesting, but it appears as though Luke stayed in Philippi while Paul went on. And then on the third mission trip, Paul picks him up again in Troas and... They journey together back into Macedonia and eventually all the way back to Jerusalem, where Paul is put on trial. He accompanies Paul to Rome by way of ship. He stays with Paul when others abandon him because they don't want to have guilt by association. He stays with Paul. In fact, Paul once says, only Luke is with me. He seems as though he was there when Paul was executed. How do we know that from the book of Acts? Do I have some secret code? No. Read with attention. Next time you read in, 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 the gosp- in, in, the, in the book of Acts, you will read a description in the third person from the large percentage of the book. But there were several times when the pronoun switches from third person, he, they, she, to the first person, We. Where Luke joined. And then they'll switch back to they. And then later back to we. Luke was a beloved companion to the Apostle Paul. The Gospel. I'm going to do this very quickly for those of you more academically inclined, talk to me later. Luke used sources. He was not an eyewitness. The sources available to him first would have been the Gospel of Mark, probably with the first written early 60 AD, 30 years after Jesus was crucified, but circulating in pieces before that. He would have used Matthew, who was written probably in the mid 60s is the best guess. And he used at least one other that I'm pretty sure, as, as most historians are, they, they call it Gospel Q. We don't have it. But when you examine Ma- Matthew and Luke, you, you see that there, there, there are portions so similar in both of them. It goes a step beyond, well, Matthew must, uh, Luke must have used Matthew to an independent other source that eventually resulted in Matthew and Luke. The date would have been the late 60s. Paul was executed 64 under Nero. Luke wrote late 60s. His audience... Who in the world is Theophilus? That's the immediate person. Theophilus was some kind of maybe a benefactor. The Greek suggests definitely a a Greek name. Um, Is it possible that this this individual put Luke through school? That was often the case. People who who went to college. It was expensive back then as it is now, and sometimes someone who really cared for you would foot the bill for you. More broadly, it was to a Gentile audience. In very broad terms, Matthew was written to Jews. See a lot of references, thus it was fulfilled. Matthew assumes his audience knows the Old Testament. Luke assumes they don't. So Luke translates certain things in certain ways because he's got a Greek audience. Mark was written to Romans, by and large. Mark's source was Peter, another eyewitness, his main source. And so Luke is addressing a Greek audience. When there are Aramaic words sometimes used, he'll translate it for people into Greek and so forth. He'll explain customs. He has an emphasis on Greek involvement, Gentile involvement in the gospel. It is the centurion, Luke tells us, that Matthew, and Mark and John omit. It's the centurion who says at the crucifixion, surely this was the son of God. He has that emphasis. Where Mark talks about this woman who had spent all her living on doctors and had grown worse for it. Check the parallel in Luke. He softens that significantly. Taking it easy on the medical personnel. Luke had source of the birth stories that we don't know where they came from. Zachariah, Elizabeth, Mary. I mean, what does, what does Mark tell us of the birth stories? Nothing. John goes philosophical. Matthew, his main birth story begins after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea. It's Luke who had access. Did he interview Mary? How did he go about this? Luke says he went about it like a doctor, like a well-educated man would do it, who wasn't an eyewitness. He studied carefully he brought in whatever sources he had. There was Matthew and there was was Mark and there was probably Q, but there were others many have undertaken to, 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 to describe the events. Only those deemed by the church as most reliable survived. Oh, we know that didn't happen toss it. Okay? And Mary's genealogy. Where did that come from? Both Matthew and Luke give a genealogy. Most believe that, Mary, that, that Luke describes Mary's genealogy. The main reason, the, the, the main reason Uh, 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 attack against that being possible is that women were never you, you never had a genealogy through a woman it was always the man why would Luke describe Mary's genealogy Luke was already talking about the supernatural. Nobody said a virgin birth either. So Luke gives us Mary's genealogy. If you study it carefully, they go backwards. You know, one starts uh, uh, with with Adam, and the other uh, and, uh, the, and ends up with J- Joseph, and the other uh, and starts with Joseph and works backward. To, but if you if you look. They, 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 they separate the two genealogies at David. Joseph's genealogy in Matthew is traced through Solomon. Mary's genealogy in Luke is traced through Nathan. They were brothers. And that's both Mary and Joseph were of the line of David. All right, Matthew has lots of stories and parables. That's what Greeks were interested in. The reason Mark is so short is Mark's writing into Romans. Romans didn't care about philosophy and so forth. By and large, they just wanted to know what Jesus did. Greeks, they, on the Areopagus, they sit around talking about new things. Does anybody have, they talked a lot. And so in in the, in the gospel of Luke, Luke emphasizes that. Stories abound, the parables. He knew that that's what Greeks, Gentiles were interested in. Now finally, in conclusion, what was Luke's purpose? Why did he do this if there were already so many narratives out there, Matthew and Mark in particular. John wasn't written for another 30 years. Why did he write? He tells us, so that you, O Theophilus, may be sure of what you've been taught. Are you sure? How do you you get sure? Some people say, well, you just gotta take it by faith. No, 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 that's not what Luke would say. Luke would say we have massive historical data and I've, I've rifled through as much of it as I can. These things happened. In fact, Paul, in giving testimony to the resurrection, says, you know, Peter saw it and the apostles saw it. But there were over 500 who saw Jesus after the resurrection. Why is that important? Because any one of us alone can hallucinate and imagine something because we want it to be so. Luke understood that. Understood that? No. Faith, yes. But observation and study. Check with the primary sources. Most of us are content to to deal with secondary sources. Most of us are good with Wikipedia, okay? Yeah, that's what it says. That's what it must be. No, not, not Luke. He was, he was an academic. He wanted to get to the source. Because it's the sources which give us certainty. Every one of us needs a certain amount of facts before we believe. Don't be hard on Thomas unless I see I won't believe most of us are like that you've got to see something you've got to be certain at a a, to a particular level and the history and the facts help us with that never be afraid of facts facts are friends even if it's bad news you want to hear it don't you yeah facts are friends But even the best observation will reach a point where observation fails. This is true in almost everything, especially in matters of faith. The two great exciting fields of study today are what? Astronomy the very big and uh, microbiology and that kind of stuff with super colliders studying the very small. But do you know that in both cases, scientists admit that they've reached points beyond further observation. They can't get there. They can only see so far. So you know what they do. How many math majors here? Science eventually turns to math to figure out and project what may be. And that's faith. (laughs) It is. Mathetes, by the way, is the word for disciple. Yeah. God wants us to study, to be students. Not to be afraid of uncovering an inconvenient truth. Study. Don't tell your kids just to accept it. That'll end up being a shallow faith in most cases. Get them to study. And believe in your heart. A principle that has guided me for a long time. That all truth is God's truth all truth is God's truth don't be afraid of science don't be afraid but understand over the years science has often been wrong (laughs) they've had to do mid-course corrections continuously but all truth is God's truth and at the end of the day every one of us will need to take a step of faith. But it's not blind faith. It's studied. Academic faith. I've seen enough. This must be so. And I pray that you get there And as we go through the Gospel of Luke, understand that here is a man who refused the notion of just, well, you just gotta take it by faith. No, study to show yourself approved. And yes, after study, you will have to take a step of faith. A parent came to me once, she said, I'm so so scared about my kid, he's studying Buddhism and exploring Hinduism and all kinds of things. I said, don't be afraid if you've trained them well. Look what happened to Moses, he came back. Don't suggest to them that you're afraid of their study that they might discover something that proves Christianity wrong there's nothing out there don't be afraid but let them come to their own understanding and granted now we're not talking about three and four year olds we're talking about teenagers in particular those collegians who go, who go off those, those, those young people who, who, who are independent now working on their own you just love them And don't be afraid. They're God's children before they're yours. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you're interested in learning more about Lincoln E-Free Church here in the Lincoln Lakes area, you can go check out our website, LincolnEFree.org and you can give us a follow on Facebook. Have a great day.